Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. All right, how many were ready for the word today? I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep last night. It was it's, it just, you feel like you just, it's like a caged lion. I can't really explain it because I was, I was, you know, as you prepare something, you know how it is when you cook, if you can cook, and I pray you taste your own food. If you don't taste your own food, then that you probably should not be cooking. But as a person preparing, I'm receiving it first. And I was sitting with it. And I, you know, sometimes you can sit with it too long. You begin to critique yourself. But I, I mean, it was just good to me. And I feel like God is going to do something amazing in this house. But um, or continue to do something amazing as he's already been doing it. I want to put this announcement up. It's called, it's a walk for life. Um, it's a walk for life. And um, it, it is, it's with the Pregnancy Center in Gaston County. We partnered with them before. They've been here um, before. But they're having a walk for life. It is on November the 20th. On November the 20th, um, it's a walk for life, and they need volunteers, men and women, to volunteer. Um, so Celine is here. Celine, raise your hand. Um, see Celine after service. She'll give you the particulars, but if you look up there, they, ha- they have information. And it's just about making a difference in our community and just using our voice to stand for something, right? Using our opportunity as believers to be able to walk on behalf of the, un- the people that can't walk for themselves, of, of, of the unborn. So we believe in partnering with life giving foundations and people who are doing something in the community. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. So I'm excited. We've been in the series. This is just a couple weeks and it's called spiritual warfare. How many, how many since then? I know I'm raising my hand right now. You've been experiencing some, some warfare, some tension. Yeah. You've been like, oh, sometimes you just rather not even hear those things. Cause you know, when you hear it, it's, it's going to come. But I believe after last Sunday, God poised us. He positioned us to be able to, to fight a little bit more. You know, we've, we've been equipped with the whole armor, and we understand that it's not the people, it's what's using the people. It's not the problem, it w- it's what's hitchhiked on the problem. It is the enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against power, spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, finally be strong in the Lord, which would say, finally, that we weren't. At some point, we were not strong in the Lord, but I believe that God is positioning us as a church, as a body of people, uh, as a body of believers in this world, in this space, to really take up some ground for him. I want to read to you the first chapter. You should have it in your bulletins. A couple scriptures here. It's in Genesis. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 through 15. Understanding this story that Abraham, he was at home, he and Sarah was at home, and the angel of the Lord visited him, and they were having this conversation, and he was letting Abraham know that he was going to do some amazing things, and Abraham began to be obedient and began to feed them and serve them. But I wanted to hang here because sometimes um, we look at spiritual warfare just, oh, when, when negative things and bad things happen. And challenging things happen. But there's another space in spiritual warfare I wanted to highlight. It's in verse 9. This is, and this is funny, and I want to read it how I interpret it. Is that okay? All right. Verse 9 says, where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. They're right there in the tent. He said, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah 
your wife will have a son. Now Sarah was listening and at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him, Abraham and Sarah were very old, he said in the stage. And Sarah was paced the age, past the age of childbirth, childbearing. Come on, no pace, past. Verse 12. So Sarah laughed, watch this, to herself as she thought. After I am worn out, she was being sarcastic. Anybody been sarcastic? Even anybody been petty with the Lord before? Come on, somebody. I don't know anybody else. You been petty with the Lord? So Sarah laughed to herself, and as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, my man, my husband, he old. Will I now have this pleasure? She's just getting real sassy with the Lord. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? So you have to understand, Abraham, at this point, he didn't hear it. He don't even know how to stick up for his wife. Because it talks about that she said to herself, how many times has the Lord spoken something to you and you said it to yourself? You didn't say it out loud. I don't see how that can happen. That seems impossible. He said, will I really have a child now that I'm old? They asked him this, is anything too hard? Wow, there it is. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And he repeated it again. You know, in Bible school, they tell you that the law of repetition, if you say anything twice, it means you need to pay attention to this, like verily, verily. That means something is about to be said that's getting ready to be impactful and you need to make attention to. He said it again. I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. He had to repeat that because he needed them to listen. Verse 15, here it is. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. How many want to hear a good story? You need to read the Bible. I ain't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> if I were to give this a title today, it says, don't laugh. It's really about to happen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. <sighs> Father, I pray that you gird us, that you hold us up. In between the time you've spoken the word and between the time we received it. I pray that today, Father, you'll give us the fortitude and the grace to have patience on the promise. And that we won't get weary in well-doing because in due season, we're going to receive if we faint not. And we believe it to be so in Jesus' name. Let everybody shout. Amen. Amen. Give it up for all the students that are running the cameras, the, the um, CG. Shout out to all of them. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Great job. Make me look good, guys. Make it look good. Where is your wife? Sarah, they asked him. I'm going to read this again. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you and this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Can I tell you something? I want to prophesy something to you. I want to prophetically put something in this atmosphere. This time next year, your life will be completely. 
That's, a, uh, that, that's just half of you. Maybe half of you received it. Can I prophesy something to you? This time next year, what you've been crying about is going to be completely different, and God is going to do something new in your, y'all patty caking on that thing. Y'all been crying, you've been praying, you've been beating the floor, you've been shedding tears, asking God when, asking God how, asking God when, asking when is it coming, how is it going to turn around, when is this thing, how is you going to heal my body? I'm sick of being sick, I'm tired of being disgusted, but this time next year, I feel the Holy Ghost. Something is about to turn for your, for your good. This time next year. Some of you God has spoken some big things to. Some of you God has dropped some heaven-sized dreams on the inside of you that have kind of made you like, <laughs> are you kidding? I've been Sarah before. I know we've all been Sarah before. God, are you, what? You really? No, it's not. Maybe you, you, you got the right package at the wrong address. <laughs> Maybe not me. But he never delivers to the wrong address. He'll always speak to you the way he sees you at the end. <laughs> he never speaks to you according to where you are in your life right now. He, if, you, if you further understand the story, he called Abraham the father of many nations and he couldn't even have children. He'll always speak to you at the end of a thing and never in the middle because he knows you're just in a phase of your life. That's why he gives you business ideas with not a dime in your pocket. <laughs> Woo, that's why he shows you visions of things and, and operations and big things that he's called you to do and some of you have prototypes some of you written books and some of you have all these things but you don't have the means to make it happen but I'm telling you don't laugh because it's about to happen but that's the beautiful part of the, of, of the sermon that's the beautiful part of the text but the challenge is the time he told you it's about to happen and the time you actually get it the warfare happens in the middle When is it coming? It's never going to happen. You know, this, this beautiful couple, they're 100, 101. I would have laughed too. She was in a predicament. She said, surely I'll return to you this time next year. Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening. She was eavesdropping. Come on, wives. Come on. Can't let that man have a conversation. Leave him alone. He's with the Lord. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed. I wrote down here, it was just a thought. Sometimes you have to think about what you're thinking about. You can destroy the promise before it even gets in motion. Just because you're laughing and you're thinking negatively about something, you can kill it before it actually gets going. Sarah laughed at herself and she thought, after I'm worn and I'm old out and I'm dusty and I'm old and I can't. It didn't say dusty. That's my interpretation. Will I now have the pleasure? Ooh. Then the Lord said to Abram, why did your wife laugh when I told her? Will I really have a child? Can you? Because I wonder if he was just as petty as, as she was when she said, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah, you will have a son. Sarah was afraid, and so she lied. I ain't laugh. But she really did laugh. 
I'm asking you, what has the Lord spoken over your life that you have thought yourself out of the promises of God? That's the warfare. The warfare is the battle in your mind to fight the fight in your mind. You know, Joyce said the battle, 99% of that battle is in the mind. The moment the Lord speaks to you, you give every reason why the Lord has made a mistake than not to use you. We sing, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. But he, when he want to use you, like, oh, maybe I'm not, I'm not ready. I, I'm not ready. It, it has to be challenging sometimes to be the God of the universe. When we weep and we pray and we cry about something, then when it's almost time to happen, we don't, we don't want it. I'm not worthy. Come on, false humility. I'm not worthy. I don't know what. You just asked me for this. You wanted it or not? We go back and forth with him about what we want and what we're not ready for. But I'm, but I'm telling you, think about what you're thinking about and stop killing the promise in your thought life before it actually becomes manifest in your actual life. Right. Understanding that there was a year that took place, a year that happened of warring with this son actually come. Will we at our old age actually be able to bear a child? And if you read on, it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. In the middle, there's still a fight to be had. In the middle of the promise and actually receiving the promise, you still have to begin to participate in the things of the kingdom. Abraham never came off the wall. He was still contending. He was still fighting. You know the story, Father, if you can find 50, if you can find 25, he was still contending. All the time he's thinking, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. He's not quoting it, but he's doing it. He's going after the things of Christ. He's going after the things of the kingdom while the whole time the Holy Spirit was doing something in his wife. I'm wondering, could it have been because of his obedience that the Holy Spirit is expeditionally performing a miracle in his wife? I'm wondering, have we prolonged our own promise because we have chosen not to be obedient because the promise has not come? I'll do it after I get it. I'll work hard after I get the job. I'll do better after I get the raise. We always want something for something. But the kingdom is like, no, I need you to obey me I need you to do what I tell you to do, even when you don't see what I've spoken. I'm talking to somebody in here. Even if it's not made manifest, he says, am I a man that I should lie? In spiritual warfare, you have to pull from your history with God. And a lot of the problem is we don't have a lot of history with him. That's why every time you get in a situation, you panic. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm sick, I gotta go, oh, this is gonna kill me. Oh, this job, everybody's getting laid off. Me, I'm about to get laid off. You don't have a notice. Nobody told you your job was threatened. Even if the, even if the boss was coming up and through your department passing out pink slips, I declare that I will not get a pink slip. I declare that I will remain at this job because this is the will of God. If you don't have history with God, you will become a victim in everything that happens to you. Because of my history, I'm able to stand still and see the salvation of God. But if you don't have history with God, you don't know what standing still and seeing even looks like. You don't even know what you're looking for. This is talking about warfare. This is talking about the time from the time he speaks it to you and the actual time you receive it. They still began 
to do the will of God. Now, Sarah wasn't mentioned much. Talked about Abraham contending for, for, for Sodom and Gomorrah, but I wonder about Sarah. Because the story started off with her and laughing and questioning. This can't be real. In a year span, 365 days, I'm imagining poor Sarah wrestling with the thoughts of a baby at an old age. Wrestling with, what if I die? My body's probably not wired to even carry this baby anymore. What if the baby lives and I don't? Do I even really want it at this point? Have you ever prayed for something and it seemed like it took so long, you didn't even, you didn't even want it no more? I don't even know if I want him. Some of y'all have been single so long, y'all, I don't even know if I want a man. I don't even know if I want to be in a relationship no more. I'm independent. I come when I want to. I leave when I want to. I eat what I want. I don't eat if I don't. I don't got to cook for nobody. I can do what I want. I don't got to curl my hair. I don't got no man. I ain't got nobody to look good for in the house. You didn't become so... You have become so content in the waiting of the promise, you just begin to live like it's not even coming. And we do that to help us deal with the longevity of the promise. We almost self-sabotage it in a way to be like, I don't even care. If it comes, it comes. If it don't, I don't. It must not. And you know when, when the promise is delayed, he must not want me to have it. It must not be time for me to have it. Have you ever thought maybe you're not in the right mindset to receive it? Nah, he don't want me to have it. If he wanted, I, I would have already had it. I would have already received the promotion. I would have already been this. I would have already had that. But he's God, don't forget, and he knows what we can handle and what we cannot handle. And that's why he does not give us the full picture of his will for our lives. Because he knows we would want to get to the end of a thing and skip all the steps in the middle. Genesis chapter 22. This is good to me. You're preaching good, Isaiah. You're preaching good. I don't, I this, it's for me. Genesis chapter 22. This is the NIV. Verse 2, now you have to understand, this has been a year plus she's received and she's had the baby. It's happened. It's, we're here now. It would have been an interesting childbirth to be a part of. Imagine the emotions that came with actually seeing what God said. Some of us are in the in-between space and some of you are in the ninth month. Some of you are in your ninth month and you've been carrying it and you've been carrying it and it's weighty and you're like, just get it out already. But the process, something is happening for you in the process of waiting. The affliction is coming and the affliction is in the space of waiting and to the time you received it. And we're like, I don't want to be afflicted, but God has said it's good for you that you're afflicted. <laughs> Isn't that funny? God, like, it's good that you were afflicted. Now you know who I am. See, we don't really learn of him in the triumphs of our life. 
We know of him, but we are acquainted intimately with him. We're on our back. We're in the hard spaces of our life. He said, it's good that you were afflicted that you can learn of me. It's like if I was never sick, I wouldn't know you as a, a healer. I didn't, I didn't know you can do that. If I was never financially stricken, I wouldn't have known you to be a provider. It's in the times where we have nothing that he creates something. This is the kind of God that we serve. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here, he said, here I am, he replied, verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Don't, don't, don't laugh. It's, it's about to happen. But another space of warfare is, what do you do when he gives you the promise and then he asks for it back? Listen. What do you do when he gives you what you've been praying for and what you've been so acquainted with for the last nine months of your life? And he says, now that I've given it to you, give it back. Some of y'all got kids gladly. Here, take them. Burn them up, Lord. <laughs> Whatever left of them, praise God. What do you do when you've been praying and toiling and contending for something to happen in your life and breakthrough and you get it and the Lord says, now give it back to me. Now, if you notice in the story, he didn't tell Sarah where he was going. Sarah knew, but he didn't, he didn't know, she didn't know that her baby. Ooh, not the mama, uh-uh. Not you finna take my baby to, where, where the lamb? Huh? He didn't tell, he said, no, we're going to sacrifice. He gathered everything he needed, the people he needed, the two servants and the son. And you notice that this phase of testing was for Abraham and not Sarah. You waited. You anticipated. You finally got it. Now he says, sacrifice it. Whatever your baby is, not, maybe, it, it might even be your physical child. Maybe your child has have not had the breakthrough in their life because you have not sacrificed him and given him or her back to God. Maybe your business has not become the business that God intended it because you can say, well, God, this, you gave me this business, we pray, and now it ain't doing nothing. I feel like I'm losing more than I'm receiving. I feel like this is happening. I feel like this is happening. And God said, I have a great plan for it, but I need you to give it back to me. I feel like, God, I went to school for this. I'm, I'm, I'm on a job. I'm doing the best I can. I'm get, but God said, I didn't tell you to make that job your God. I'm talking to everybody this morning. I didn't tell you to sign for every piece of overtime that they offered. 
I didn't tell you to sacrifice church. I didn't tell you to sacrifice community. I didn't tell you to sacrifice relationship. I didn't tell you to sacrifice your marriage just for the dollar that you'll never finally get ahead. And you said, God, you give me this and I'm just, he said, no, I need you to give it back to, to me. We're talking about warfare. Can you imagine the journey that Abraham was taking with his son? All along in his mind, not sure if God will provide. But he was walking afraid, but he was walking in obedience. Sometimes you got to do both. You need to write this down. Sometimes obedience is not the absence of fear. Walking to the mountain with the sacrifice. He's walking to the mountain with the promise he's waited a hundred some years for. And now he might have to kill it. With tears in his eyes. Can you imagine as a parent? Looking at your son. But the thing about it, the son knew the, pro- the, son knew the process. And you got to think and put yourself in, I try to put my mind in every character, every person in the story. I'm thinking about Abraham. I'm thinking about Sarah has no clue. Sarah has no clue. She thinks her son is going to watch her dad, his dad, and to become the man that his dad is becoming. Abraham is like, Lord, my wife, I'm going to get on this. I'm going to sacrifice myself too. Because if I come home without Isaac, we both. And the two servants looking at each other like, I can't believe this. Everybody got a story to tell. Because the servants like, where the sacrifice? Where, what's happening? And can you imagine that's got to be the longest, quietest walk? The son don't really know what's going on. At first he's like, daddy, daddy. And you know, you're not really having a lot of conversation for your son. But at some point, Isaac, he asks, I see, I see the wood. I, I see the altar. But where is this? Where the sacrifice at, Daddy? Where, where the sacrifice at? And I can't imagine how many times he probably was looking. And he said, you know how sometimes you got kids that call parents by the first name. Abraham! Where the sacrifice? You know, a lot of times we come into church we see the fire. We see the altar. And we're like, what? Something's missing. Can I make a suggestion of what's missing? <laughs> Can I make a suggestion of who's missing? We miss. We're missing. We're just looking at a blank altar and we have all the ingredients and all the ingredients and you know just that when you're cooking and when you're doing something and you're like oh I'm just missing one thing to really make this oh this is going to be amazing and, and we're like where is it where is it and it's, it's us every Sunday we come into this room every Monday we come here and contend in prayer every Wednesday we come in here and we fellowship together and there's always something missing and the thing that's missing is you and here it is you could be here but still not offer yourself as a sacrifice that's how, that's how we go home one way. That's how we come to church one way and go home one way because we didn't offer ourselves as a sacrifice. Why am I still depressed? Because you didn't put it up here. 
Why am I still depressed? Because you made the, you made the walk. You brought it up here, but you took it back with you. Why am I still have this in addiction? Why am I still addicted to porn? Why am I still drinking? Why am I still addicted to this? And why am I still overeating? Why am I still womanizing, working too much and cheating on my taxes and doing all these things? And how it, Because you come, but you don't meet Jesus. And the moment you're face to face with him, you're like, nah, nah, I don't think I can do this. I think I can do it a little bit, but all of this, I can't do it. And you take it back. Abraham gets to the altar. <laughs> Son's like, okay. This is great, Dad. The bonfire looks great. Everything is set up. He said, but I don't see the sacrifice. <laughs> he looked at his son. Said, yeah, well, you don't see him because it's you. It's you, son. The little boy, I'm sure his eyes probably welled up with tears. Isaac, Abraham, the father of many nations, staring at his only son and is about to offer him up. What a picture. What a picture. You look in your promise right in the face and you know that you have to offer it for sacrifice. Can you imagine that scuffle? Can you imagine? You can't even get your kid to clean your room without a war. Come on, son. Come on. I'm finna grab you and put you up here. He laid him out. Verse 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Watch this. Here it is. Now that I know you fear God, He says, now that I know you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son and your only son. God, here's a prophetic thing, that God is restoring the fear of the Lord back to his people. And at some point we have to realize that what he's giving us, he's asking for it all back. Your gift, he wants it back. You can sing, give it back to him. And he's not trying to take it from you. Here it is. He's trying to see if you trust him more than what he's giving you. More than what he's giving you. He said, don't lay a hand on it. Can you imagine this? Son, oh, thank you. Thank you. He probably felt the way about his daddy, but thank you. But can you imagine the lesson? That his son was taught following his father? You're talking about breaking generational curse. Oh, I feel something. You're talking about breaking generational curse. Your, your kids need to see you do things in faith. You walk around the house, you think they can't hear you. I don't know if I'm going to have enough to pay this bill. Oh my God, this is happening. Oh my God. And they begin to have the same language. But can you imagine what happened when Isaac gets to you? You know the stories. Because he's seen his father sacrifice. He's seen what his father was willing to do. Now here it is. He says, don't touch him now that you fear God because you have not withheld from me. What have you withheld from him? Who have you withheld? 
What have you withheld? Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket saw a ram. Caught by his thorns, he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it. Can you imagine the excitement? He get, get ram, he pulled that ram out so fast. Son, get down there. He offered that instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Watch this. The Lord will provide. You need to create an altar wherever you are. And God today is looking to name that place in your life. So whenever you come to a place that resemble it, you can go back and look and say, I remember when this happened to me and God and I put something on the altar and I named it and God named it. And I know if you did it before, if you did it before, you can do it again. Yeah. Same God right now. Same God back then. That's, if he did it before, he can do it. Again, his track record is good. When is the last time you looked at his track record? When is the last time you looked at his success rate? Not in somebody else's life, but in yours. When's the last time? He says, this place will be called the place where God will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Here it is. Obedience is a weapon in war. And the result of obedience is verse 15. If you do what you don't want to do in the season that God has called you to do it, here's the results. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven. He said a second time, watch this. He said, I swear by myself. Let me translate what he said. I put that on me. You hear people, I swear by myself. There's the same people say, I swear to God. You'll hear it now. God said, I put that on me. I put that on everything I love. This is a multi-generational service, so I'm trying to say everything. I put that on everything. I put that on my mom. Everything that I am, I put it and I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, here it is, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashores. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, here it is, all nations on the earth will be blessed. All nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. There is something waiting on the other side of your obedience. And it's bigger than you. And if you choose to be obedient in a season where you have every reason not to be, and you choose to not hold back on things that you could hold back from, everybody that's connected to you is getting ready to benefit. That's the word of the Lord. If you're obedient in this season, everybody that's connected to you 
is getting ready to benefit from your obedience. Listen, when you are long gone and in the grave, your offspring will benefit because you did something in a dry season. Come on, you sold in famine. What has God been telling you to do? What has he been telling you to give up? Some of you need to come and create an altar and put your kid on that altar. Some of you need to put your marriage on that altar. I can't do anything but mess it up. I, I've been messing it up. Here it is. Matter of fact, even if he or she don't want to get on the altar with you, you lay on your own. Some of you husband and wife, you might need to just hold hands and just and sizzle on that. Oh, no. You feel that, honey? Yeah, I feel it. It's burning, but I'm going to stay right here, baby. Some of you need to take that business and that idea and you need to put it. Offer it. Some of you need to take that mortgage, that, that, fi that financial thing that you have in your life and you got more bills and you got money and you need to put it. On the And the moment you put it on there and begin to sacrifice it, he's going to say, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. I just been, I just been waiting on you to bring something. I've been waiting on you to offer me something because what you offer me could never fulfill me. But I just wanted to see if you will obey me and I have something greater for you, Pastor Tom, you can play. I have something greater for you than you could ever dream of or imagine. Whatever you've been holding back. He says, don't laugh. It's about to happen. What you've been believing for, what you've been contending for, what you've been praying for, what you've been crying for, what you've been believing God for, it is about to happen. That's why the warfare is tension. That's the tension, and that's the challenge, and that's the tears, that's the crying, that's the heartache, that's the heart pain, because God said, I've got to do something in your life, but when I do it, I need you to give it back to me, so when you give it back to me, I'm going to do even more because you chose to sacrifice what I gave to you. What? What is it? I feel the Holy Spirit just telling me to stop here. What is it? What is it? Maybe you have a ministry inside of you. You need to sacrifice it. I remember I had to sacrifice it. I had to just lay it on the altar. Because sometimes you feel like, well, I should be further than I am. Can I just talk about myself? I said, Lord, I feel I should be further than I am. I feel I should be speaking around the world. Not to be famous, but to make your name famous. Not to be boastful so I can boast in you. God, I, need, I feel like I need to do this. I feel I need to do that. I transitioned to Chicago at one point in my life, and I thought this was to be the transition that God would have me to do and move me faster. And I was working in a, in a, in a warehouse at the time, cutting cheese. I was slicing cheese, slicing, packaging. I was cutting and slicing and packaging, and I knew I had a world on the inside of me. And I knew I had a fresh word on the inside of me for the nations. But I was cutting and packaging it. I was a material handler and I was a machine operator, getting my fingers 
caught in machines, almost cutting my fingers off. And I said, God, I know it has to be more than this. But I stayed on the job. Transitioned to Chicago. I left St. Louis. I left the job that I was at for 10 years. Left it. God told me, to go ahead, transition. I left that job. Packed up everything that I had. I didn't have a job. I wasn't going for a job. I wasn't going for anything. I was going because he told me to go. I didn't have a place to stay. I had none of that. People are like, where are you doing? I'm going to Chicago. Why? I'm just going to be a part of the church. You got a job? No. You got some place to stay? No. I say, man, you're crazy. But following God will make you look crazy to people who don't understand what you carry. You can't communicate everything that God has given you because people will think you are nuts. I went, I got on Highway 55. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a house, but I knew God called me there. Literally, as I'm driving down Highway 55 to go to Chicago, I had three job offers. By the time I got to Chicago, I already had a place somebody paid for my rent up to six months in the place. Listen, can I tell you, and watch this. And I end up going to a job. It's called Lighthouse Christian Products. They make all things, uh, crosses with scriptures on them, Bible, stone, Bible, all that type of stuff. There used to be in Lifeway. I used to be, I was there. So I got this job. I'm like, this is great. God's getting ready to do something with my life. And he said, okay, we're going to start you. And I said, great, where are you going to start me? I'm going to put you in a warehouse. I said, God, can't nobody see me back there. And he said, that's why you need to be back there. Because it's not about you. So my first couple weeks and months, I'm taping boxes like, putting labels, just angry. You brought me all the way. I was making more. At least I was on the floor. People saw me in my old job. Can't nobody see me in no windows or nothing. I worked every day. This particular guy would come talk to me on my break. He was a Caucasian guy. He would just talk to me every day. I'm trying to eat lunch. You already know where I'm going. You know when you're trying to take lunch, you already use a place you don't want to be at, and you don't even want to talk. And he's like, hey, how's it? And I'm like, the first couple days, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? After about a couple months, I said, look, man, to myself, I don't have nothing else to say. We've talked about everything. You know where I'm from. You know my mama, my dad. You know my blood type. You know everything. One day I get to job six months later. Mind you, I told you my place had been paid up for six months. I come into the office that day. My supervisor in the back. He said, hey, man, I'd like to meet with you. I said, sure. I come in at this point. It was in Schaumburg, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. He said, man, I have to let you know that we're going to have to let you go. Uh, huh? He said, yeah, man, we're going to have to let you go. I said, no, 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 you, you, you don't understand. You know, when you come up to that stuff, you forget about the promises of God. You're like, I can't go back there. These people are going to think they already thought I was crazy. The story didn't got too good. I've been telling, I've been giving reports. I got a job. I got a house. God did it. I can't go back, but I got fired. He said, no, no. I said, man, you fired me? He said, no, 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 no. I said, so why didn't you start this off differently? Like, hey, you've been promoted. That sounds better. So he said, hey, man, I need you to go down the hall. And mind you, this trip for me was a sacrifice. I sacrificed the ministry that God had put inside of me. I sacrificed relationships. I sacrificed it all 
just to follow him. Go down the hall. I make a left into this office and I sat in the chair and in walked somebody. Who was the somebody? The man that was talking to me for the last four or five months. I sat across from him. And he said, man, I've been interviewing you for like five months. I said to myself, you don't know how many times I wanted to tell you to stop <laughs> talking to me. He said, I've been interviewing you for five months. He said, you never blew me off. You always talked to me. You always was insightful and pleasant to be around. He said, I want to offer you a position in our sales. And I was just sitting, I couldn't really say anything because I, you have to understand, as he's talking to me, I'm reminiscent of the journey. I'm thinking of what I sacrificed. I'm thinking of what I put on the altar to be burned. And I get in that office. He says, hey, I want to introduce you to my brother, which is the president of the company. I didn't know it. I went to his office. And I looked at him. He looked at me. I said, man, I've seen you before. He said, yeah, we go to the same church. Now, you have to understand something. I didn't know that this man was a business owner and one of the biggest business owners in Chicago. But I knew God called me to the church. I didn't know why. He said, man, I watch you all the time at church. You've spoken to me several times. You just didn't know what I did. He said, I want to welcome you to be a part of his team. He says, but I want to apologize to you because we never gave you a relocation bonus. I said, what do you mean? You know, when people say good stuff to you, you're just so confused. Cause I, 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 was, I was messed up. He said, yeah, we were supposed to give you a relocation bonus. Mind you, that day was the day that I was supposed to cover my half for the rent. He gave me a relocation bonus of $1,250, which was the exact amount of the rent that I had to pay that day. He said, also, since you're becoming a part of sales, he says, we need to give you a wardrobe allowance. I said, what? They went and measured me, had me four, five tailor-made suits. If you, anybody knows anything about that, that's not cheap. I started traveling the world with this company, meeting people that I never would have had the chance to meet. And because of that, after that, God took my life and began to use me ministering all across the country, preaching the gospel, because I chose to sacrifice something, following and obeying God. All eyes closed. We've been talking about warfare. Maybe you're in this room today and you have experienced a lot of it, mainly because you don't have a relationship with him. I can tell you right now, there are people in this room and you have not given Jesus your life. I feel it. I know. And you've been going through a level of fight 
in your life because you, are, you don't have a covering. He's not covering you. He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. And he's kept you, he's kept you alive and he's kept you uh, um, breathing up to this point. And if you're out there right now and you say, Pastor Isaiah, man, I, I, I want to know this Jesus. I want, to re- I want to sacrifice my life and give him my life for the rest of my life. I'm tired of living life by myself. I'm tired of living life in this way. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of doing good in one breath and not doing good the next. I want to give Jesus Christ my life for the rest of my life. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. That's one. Keep it high. I see that hand. Keep them high. He said, I'm tired. I, I, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to fully commit my life to him. That's what I want you to do. I just want you to have some courage. And it's okay. You raise your hand. And I know who you are. I'm not going to call you out. This is between you and God. I want you to come down here and I want you to meet me right here at the front of this altar. I'm going to come down here and just clap your hands as they get out of their seat. We're encouraging you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Heaven rejoices over over one. Best decision you'll ever make in your life. Is there anybody else here? You know, you're like, I'm I, I don't want to keep living this life like this. I want to fully give my heart to the Lord. We'll, we'll take a couple of minutes and we'll wait. I just believe that your best days are ahead of you. I believe that your worst is behind you. Because today you're choosing to sacrifice something. Yeah? Close your eyes, man. Come on, we clap. We still got somebody coming. Heaven rejoices over one, but we got two. Hell lost another one. Hell lost another one. I don't know if you. (laughs) Hell lost another one. Hell lost another one. He's losing another one and another one. And it's another one coming. And it's another one coming. It's another one coming. It's another one. Today is the greatest day of your life. Only you know your story. Nobody knows where God has protected you from. Nobody knows where God has brought you from. Nobody knows the dark spaces in life that you've had to drag yourself and bring yourself to this moment. But today is your day. Salvation. Let's close our eyes. Church, let's pray this prayer so they don't feel alone. Lift your hands all over this sanctuary. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sins. You've died for me. Now I'll live for you. I'm yours. I'm yours. 
I'm saved. Father, I thank you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that every chain, every mental block, every challenge, every bout of depression, every piece of addiction, I declare that every dark negative hold that has held you captive in your life, I declare by the power of the Holy Spirit that you're breaking through right now in Jesus' name. I declare that God's goodness will follow you all of the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord. You will not be like your mother. You will not be like your father. You will not be what they said. You will not be what they did. But I declare that you're going to be that all that God has created you to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Vissiel. Hey, just follow him. Get connected with him. They're going to get some information from you. Please follow them. We love you. We're going to connect with you. Follow them. Just follow them right down the way. Listen. Help! Lost another! Hey, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Look. Listen. Give me about five more minutes. We get out of here. Is that okay? What do you need to sacrifice? What is God asking you to put on the altar? What is he asking you back that he gave you? And he's also saying, why haven't you been obedient? Because when you're obedient, you eat off the good of the land. There's so much I have in store for you. If you're out there... And you say, I've been in warfare, which I know we've already had because we already raised our hand. And you know God is saying, I need you to sacrifice something. I need you to put something on the altar. You haven't been obedient in certain areas. You've done other things. Come up here, right? Just run up here right now and just begin to put things on the altar. Whatever it is. Whoever it is. Don't matter. Some of you need to sacrifice yourself. I've been in the fight of my life. I've been in the war of my life. I've been in the tensions of my life. But God said, don't laugh because what I'm about to do, it's going to happen. When I spoke over you, I mean every bit of it to bring it to pass in your life. Father, I thank you right now. There's more of you. I feel that the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to sacrifice something. You need to sacrifice something. You Maybe you've been sick in your body, and that sickness has become your God. But God said, you need to sacrifice that sickness, and you'll see I got a healing on the other side of what I've called you to do. I declare right now that through this act of obedience, this offering they're laying something on the altar with tears in their eyes they're holding on to maybe their life savings they're holding on to maybe their dreams and they're exchanging your dream their dream for yours and there's an exchange that's happening today and this is the fight the fight to keep from fighting in your mind put your mind on the altar I'm putting my thoughts on the altar.
Father, I pray right now. Lift your hands all over, all over. I pray right now for the battle in which your people, us, have been fighting. Father, we are, we're climbing up to Mount Moriah right now. We're, we're climbing up the mountain with the promise. Not sure how you're going to provide. Not sure how you're going to break through. Not sure how you're going to come through. Not sure how you're going to make a way. Not sure how provision is going to happen. But we're leaning into your obedience. And Father, right now I declare. I declare this right now. prophetic. Within the next seven days. Oh, I feel the glory of God on them. They'll begin to see results from the obedience of today that you just won't lay it down here but you're going to go home and start laying some things down you're going to go home you're going to go to your job you're going to go start moving some things around you're going to start moving some pieces around in your life Your boss is going to say, hey, I need you to work overtime. You're going to say, I'm sorry. I can't work overtime today. I can't be here today. I'm going to prayer on Monday. I'm going to church on Wednesday. I'm sacrificing to follow God. You're talking about the weapons of war. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God with the pulling down of strongholds. So, Father, I pray right now. That you give everyone the courage to do what they know they need to do. You give them the courage to lay aside the relationship. Yeah. I, you give them the courage to sacrifice the business for your sake. Because surely the Lord is going to provide. And I thank you right now for every negative thought that you're going to take that thought away. Just like Sarah started to laugh and chuckle and doubt. I pray against every negative thought, not even from the devil, but even thoughts that we've thought about ourselves. Let this mind be in you who is also in Christ Jesus. We declare it and we receive it to be so. Just lift your hands as high as you can. And just begin to rejoice. Here it is. You're rejoicing right now and you don't even know what's getting ready to be in the, in the bush. You don't even know the sacrifice. You don't even know what he's preparing. But you're rejoicing because you already know that something is coming your way. you're preparing. I don't know what you're getting ready to have in the bush. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know what time is coming. I don't know who's going to do it. And quite frankly, I don't care. I know that you will provide. We give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you all the glory that's doing to you. In Jesus' name, let everybody shout. Amen. Amen. It is so. It is so. In Jesus' name. Listen.
I'm excited for you. We're excited for you. Then the next seven days, I declare that your expectation be through the roof. I'm challenging everyone, as you go back to your seats, just remember, I'm challenging everyone to make it and a sacrifice of obedience. Watch this. You got to, now we have to put it in action to come out tomorrow to pray. Listen, you're going to have a thousand reasons why you shouldn't. But I promise you, not a thousand one of those reasons can compare to an act of obedience and say, you know, I'm tired, I don't feel like But if you come out, I guarantee that the Holy Spirit will begin. Now, this is the part where you activate it. Obedience, guess what? He said, because you did that, your whole lineage, your lifeline, everybody connect is going to be blessed. Now you have to make steps toward following God. I challenge every last one of you that can make it. And even if you can't, but you can and you can make your own schedule, you get here. Because there's something happening in this church online that God is curating something. Last week, we got out of prayer at 8 o'clock, but we didn't leave to 8.40. People just laying out and singing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. Oh, I feel something. We don't got no time for that. Monday, 7 o'clock, you'll be here, and he's going to be waiting on you to get here. Stand up all over this room. I want to pray with you. Man, I feel something here. Oh, glory to God. Oh, yeah, Glory to God. Lift your hands. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And I declare right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that he that had begun a good work in you We'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ's return. Have an amazing week, and we'll see y'all tomorrow, 7 o'clock, right here, in Jesus' name. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church, on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.